Hello and welcome to the Independent Pharmacy Alliance podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Resnick. This episode is brought to you in part by Independent Pharmacy Alliance. IPA is a trade association buying group representing 3,700 independent pharmacies leveraging buying power to help pharmacies access pharmaceuticals at the best prices. IPA now serves 3,700 independent community pharmacies across the United States and offers a comprehensive third-party help desk, legislative advocacy, and continuing education free of charge. Learn more today at ipagroup.org. And this episode of the IPA podcast, we will be calling Real Politics for Pharmacy Owners 101. And it is my pleasure to welcome Lori Clark to the program. Ms. Clark serves as legislative counsel to Garden State Pharmacy Owners. She has been president of Legiserve, an independent firm specializing in government affairs counsel and strategic advisement for over 25 years. Lori and I have worked together the last seven years representing Independent Pharmacy in New Jersey. It is my pleasure to welcome Lori Clark to the program. Good morning, Lori. How are you? Good morning, Anthony. It's such so wonderful to be here. I'm very excited about our discussion today because this is certainly a topic that I'm very passionate about. Absolutely. And we've worked closely together on some really great laws here in New Jersey. It's been my pleasure to work with you for the last seven years. One of the things I want the listeners to know is that Lori is definitely one of the best government affairs people in New Jersey. I've had the pleasure of working for her for the last seven years, and I've definitely learned a lot from Lori. So thank you for being on the program today. But before we get started, Lori, can you speak a bit about your professional background and how you began providing government affairs services for independent pharmacy? Sure, Anthony. So um, I basically worked for a legislator. I was a top-ranking staffer for the uh, Speaker Pro Tem of the New Jersey General Assembly. For over 14 years, I went to Trenton right out of college. And when I was working for the assemblyman, I saw that many groups seemed to me to be underrepresented. Even the groups themselves didn't really know how to access the process appropriately. And I I was getting some ideas as I went on in my career about how I maybe could bridge that gap. And that's how this all started. My uh, legislator decided to retire And I decided to take the plunge and to promote my services to several groups that I thought would need them. And it worked very well. I picked up clients immediately. I didn't represent pharmacy in the very beginning to like a year down the road, but I was recommended to represent Garden State Pharmacy Owners. And it's been my honor and privilege, just as it is to work with you, Anthony. You also are one of the best staffers, having a very comprehensive staff background. So um, it's an interesting business because people don't understand it, which is why we thought we would explain some of these nuances today, right? Absolutely. And there's definitely something to be said about the complexity for government and how the government processes work. And really, you know, just like we said in the title, this is real politics for pharmacy owners, what they should know about how the legislative process works and how it impacts them. So, Laura, you've been recognized for your work on behalf of independent pharmacy. And we worked, like I said, on some of the, I think, the best laws in the country right here in New Jersey, the state and the federal legislative process can be complex. Could you break down the process and explain us how it works and what are some of the key elements in passing laws that I think most people just aren't aware of? Yeah, I mean, I think, and once again, you know, 
we're so conversant with this process, Anthony, because, you know, this is second nature to us and this is what we love to do and where we love to be is in our state capital or working with state legislators. But the average person doesn't understand fully. And it's really not their fault because we're not taught this and it takes a while to learn it, that the people they're voting for, the people they're electing have the ability to change their lives through the introduction of bills. And people tend to maybe feel that this is not approachable by the average citizen when that could not be farther from the truth. So in other words, they themselves can have an idea, approach their own legislator, and that idea can become a bill and that can become a law. So that's just how on point it is. And I think that's what people don't realize. And and a lot of times when I lecture or I give a lecture, I talk to some of the groups or I talk to pharmacy students. They're just kind of not fully understanding how does this affect my profession? Well, in pharmacy in particular, we work under a scope of practice. And it was a big honor for me to work on this project. This is one of my first projects as a lobbyist. And prior to me working on it, the scope of practice had not been updated for 100 years. But I'm happy to say that it was updated in 2005 and it has had subsequent updates. But the fact is that their scope of practice comes directly from a law that legislators must pass and vote on and interact with, et cetera. And um, that's what people don't realize. And they may also overthink the process. And it's kind of different for professionals working within the system than it is for citizens. There's sort of like parallel tracks. But I think that today we wanted people to really understand how they could easily become involved in the process and feel very comfortable in doing what they're doing. Is it really interesting, like how you put it, that the legislative process and the idea of a bill becoming a law really comes from an idea and that that idea needs to go through the process. Could you give the listeners an idea about what the state legislative process is like? You got the idea and this is something that we want to move. What is the process? How does it work? So if you're successful and your legislator introduces the bill, the bill has to go through a formal process, which can appear cumbersome at times, but it represents a way that the public receives full notice of everything going on and there's opportunity to interact. So number one, the bill gets introduced and it gets first reading when it gets introduced and then it will become available for the public to view that copy. And then if the bill proceeds successfully, it will then be posted in committee for a vote. And it's important to remember that, you know, what I'm describing has to be repeated in both houses of the legislatures because we have a bicameral legislature in New Jersey. So let's just say that the bill gets posted in committee. It will then be given second reading. There's public hearing public testimony, amendments may be offered or deleted. And so the bill could actually change quite substantially in committee. And then if the committee approves, it will then be released from committee. And when it is posted for a floor vote, it will get third reading and final passage. Then once the bill passes either house, and actually those two processes can occur at the same time. Sure. And sometimes a bill can be introduced at the spur of a moment and you have to take action on it right away. So sometimes the legislative process can be very quick when the bill is introduced. And sometimes it can be a very slow process and take a long time. Yeah, that's the intricacies of the process that the public finds sometimes disconcerting 
because it seems like we don't get the appropriate opportunity. Of course, when we're on the ground in Trenton, and that is why it is really necessary to have a professional lobbyist in Trenton, we are able to interact much more quickly because by the time the general public would realize what's happening, then it would take longer. They still would have the opportunity to interact with it. And the easiest thing is if they hear about something to call their legislator. And we'll get into that later, actually, how they can interact with it. But certainly, sometimes all sorts of things occur. We saw this a lot during COVID. Bills were needed. Changes were needed relatively quickly. And uh, the legislature has to act. I think one of the other issues is that people don't understand really the role of the legislature. People think the role of the legislature is just to make my life the best life. And granted, yes, that is one of the things they strive for, but they must do the people's work. You have to make sure we have a balanced budget. We have to make sure that we have the appropriate things in a state of emergency, like we're currently still in. So those are the things that occur quickly outside of the normal deliberative process. You know, it's really interesting. You know, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about was how can a pharmacist and a pharmacy owner, what's the best way to approach a legislator? Some people feel that, oh, I should maybe go down to the state house. Maybe I, there needs to be a rally. Lori, tell everyone, what is the best way to approach a legislator? If a pharmacy owner has an idea, if there's something they're passionate about, what would you recommend? What do you think is the best way to approach a legislator? Well, the absolute best way is to contact their legislator at their legislative office. In New Jersey, how we set up this process is money is allocated to each legislative district so that they would have an office to provide constituent services. And every single office has this and they need to call. And even if they get to talk to staff, they need to start to develop a rapport with that particular office. Now, the problem, Anthony and I, that we run into is we have a lot of good members that they read what's going on nationally. So they'll see something and they'll say, wow, why aren't we doing this in New Jersey? Well, New Jersey is a little bit different. Since we're such a small state, we are in continuous legislative session. So what happens is we don't have to have a very finite session like some of the other states will be in session for three months out of two years, but they'll be in session continuously and then they won't meet again. We are continuously in session. We also don't have a very large state house with room for a lot of people. So most of the demonstrations you will see in Trenton the overflow of any crowd will be outside. But in general, that's not really where you get to the nitty gritty of things. We need to have offline meetings and pharmacy owners need to tell what is happening with their patients to the legislator. Did you know that your constituent is not able to receive, you know, whatever type of medication because of prior authorization, because of these different things? We had a local pharmacist, Mark Green, Abel's Pharmacy, and when I was working for my legislator, Mark would call me almost like clockwork every Friday. And as a result of that, I was very up to speed about all of the problems that we had and what we could do about them. And Mark had a very good rapport with my legislator and they would talk all the time. That was just invaluable. And the legislators actually want that. And sometimes today they might not have that. But very often people will get disgusted when they can't talk to the legislator and they have to talk to the staffer. Right. And that's absolutely the wrong thing. 
The staffer is really assisting in facilitating because the legislator's time is very, very valuable. Hard for them to focus on the hundreds and hundreds of issues. So staff helps them to focus on that. So it's very beneficial to develop a staff relationship. Lori, you're absolutely right. And that's something a lot of people aren't aware of is that you may not always get to meet with the legislator, but the staff can be just as important or sometimes even more important than actually speaking with the legislator because they're the ones who are doing the actual nuts and bolts work in the office. But what was really interesting about what you said is I thought was communication. The communication is the key to talk to the legislative office and to talk to the legislator. And could you expand a little bit more on what are some effective ways to communicate with the legislator? Well, you know, in the old days, we used to say, I think there's probably still some value in a personal letter, not a a huge letter, a small handwritten letter from a registered voter. That's key too. registered voter in the district. So. A lot of times some people may not even realize that you need to be a registered voter to be recognized in the process. So if you really want someone to pay attention to you, you need to be a voter. Now, that can be corrected at any time. It's very easy now to register to vote, but you should try to be a voter in that particular legislative district. And then, as I said earlier, people overthink this, but really just a story, a little story or a pharmacy visit. I know, Anthony, some of the ones we've done, the legislator was literally their mouths were hanging open. They could not believe what was going on, the extent of the work being done, mm-hmm. all the different things that the pharmacist had to cope with. And when you go into a modern pharmacy of today, people think of it like it's just one pharmacist. It's multiple pharmacists, it's technicians, it's other staff that help facilitate And it's really, you go into the pharmacy today and it's an amazing experience. During COVID, I was so impressed visiting some of our members, how they worked so diligently and so carefully to protect their patients and to make sure they were getting everything they needed. They were running out to cars and masks to make sure the patients were counseled. It was just really very, very heartwarming experience. So once again, we're coming off of COVID And I know the legislators would love to hear what were your experiences. I mean, we're actually still in it. I shouldn't say we're coming off it. We're coming into, unfortunately, it looks like another round of it. So now is really the right time to point out anything we might do better. I don't think we really wanted the opportunity to do this again. But if we have to, let's try to do it right as best as we possibly can. But like I said before, I just think they overthink it, even as far as we're concerned. When we go to Trenton, we try to keep our discussions very focused, as you know, three bullet points. And don't feel that you need to be there forever. 10 or 15 minutes of quality time is wonderful. And you want to be consistent also. You don't want to just show up one time. You really want to kind of make it an annual thing, just like we go, Anthony, with the NCPA. Anthony, you and I go with the delegation Mm -hmm. to Washington pharmacists really need to look at their yearly calendar and pick one day to work on state legislative stuff and one day to work on federal legislative stuff. And in many cases, when we do the state stuff, we're not going to go to Trenton because each legislator does not have an individual office. When they are in Trenton, they are very busy the whole day actually working. Yes, they do work and they work very hard for many hours when they are there. So you might be able to say hello to them, but 
it's almost impossible to have a substantive conversation when they're, quote, in session. And then once session is over, they get in their cars and they go back to the district. So the best way is really to do, I would say, district office. And Lori, do you feel the same applies when you're trying to meet with federal legislators on the federal side and the federal process? Oh, yeah. So like you say, it's in essence the exact same thing. So when we go to Washington, that's more like we're showing a unified profession and we're focusing on certain things. But if you go to the congressional district office or if you can be lucky enough to have the congressman come to your pharmacy, that's where you can really highlight and that's where they can really see the people that are treating their constituents and that can really hear about what the different needs are in the particular district. The one thing that pharmacists really need to be cognizant of in the legislative process, if we're dealing with state legislators, they're called assembly man or assembly woman. And then of course the senators are senators. But if you were to call a state legislator, a congressman or woman, then you would not appear to be in step. People right away know, okay, this person doesn't really know. So it's important to check these things out because you wouldn't be happy if you were not accorded the professional respect. So on the federal level, once again, it's congressman or woman. And that becomes confusing because it'll say U.S. rep and all this other stuff. But when you speak to them, it's congressman or it could be chairman or chairwoman, depending on the committee status. So with like Chairman Pallone, he's the chairman of the third most powerful committee in the country. And we call him Chairman Pallone, even though he's Congressman Pallone. Senators are easy, either whether it's state or federal, it's still Senate. If you're new to it, start with the state legislators find out who is in your legislative district. So in each, so we have 40 legislative districts in New Jersey. And in each legislative district, we have one state senator and two assembly representatives. So when you are going to be going to the polls in November, you can check your ballots because that's who you're going to be voting for. It's a state election year. And we're also, of course, going to be voting for the governor. So, Lori, I want to pivot just a little bit to the New Jersey laws. Like we have, I feel, of course, some of the best laws in the country in terms of PBMs. Could you tell the listeners what those laws are and where they're currently at? and Where do you see them going? Yeah, well, we were lucky enough that when we started this whole process, we had a little foundation for the laws. So the first one we did was the MAC law. And that was actually the first law that it brought the actions and the contracts that PBMs have with pharmacies within the purview of the Department of Banking and Insurance. And up until that point, and this is only what, like five years ago, the Department of Banking and Insurance was not able to really have the authority to look at those claims because a law had been passed many years earlier that actually prevented them from doing that. So this was a critical advancement. And once again, that's set the tone. And then the second one we did was to really bring the entire PBM under the Department of Banking and Insurance licensing structure. And in New Jersey, that is called Organized Delivery Systems, ODS. That was a monumental accomplishment, but we're still working to have that fully enacted. And then the last one we did was just a couple of years ago. This was highlighting changes that were made in the industry that were very, very unfair to pharmacies, such as retroactive reimbursement, et cetera. So 
there's pretty much widespread agreement, even throughout the whole country, that everyone wants to regulate PBMs. And I think we're going to see that. I think pharmacy owners are going to be very pleased to see what is going to unravel in the next few months and that we are on a very positive track to get much better oversight of PBMs in New Jersey because we did all of these laws and we had tremendous legislative support. And I think you would agree we need to thank our legislators. And a lot of times people will ask us who was against it. And, you know, we really have had tremendous support for it because we've used the angle of the patient in these laws and just to show the consumer aspect of all of this. But I think that it's been a long time. It's hard for pharmacists to do everything they need to do to run the pharmacy, both on on a regulatory basis and a patient level, and then understand what's going on with these laws. But as you know, pharmacy is very unique. And once again, what did we see happen this year, which was tremendous? We saw the Rutledge Supreme Court case. You know, and once again, where did that come from? That came from pharmacists that were so committed to what they were doing, that they took this to the nth degree. And we owe them a debt of gratitude, and we are all going to benefit from that going forward. There's already inklings in Washington with CMS allowing the states to regulate the self-insured. That's big. That's a big thing. Yeah, because all of the laws we passed up until now, it's hard for the pharmacy owner. It's really a time issue, whether it's a self-insured plan, whether it's insured plan. And it's been used to dilute the effectiveness of the state laws that we had prior to these laws. We have a very good any willing provider law. And if you read the law, people are shocked. You mean we have this and this is still happening? That was one of the reasons why it still happened is because of that. Lori, we talked a little bit about the laws and we obviously talked a little bit about the Rutledge case and all these things in the legislative process take time. And we've had a A lot of support from the pharmacy owners here in New Jersey, obviously. Some pharmacy owners feel that it may be taking too long. Could you explain a little bit about how the regulatory process works? Once a bill gets passed through the legislature, the next step, and this is something a lot of people don't realize needs to happen, is that once a law gets passed, that there's more to be done afterwards in terms of regulating that particular statute. So when pharmacy owners say law was passed, why isn't it being enforced yet? What is the regulatory process? What happens after the law is passed? Basically, there's really three levels of government, and one is the legislative, one is the court system, the judiciary, and what you are speaking of, Anthony, is the administrative process with the agencies. So once the law goes to that particular agency for rulemaking, rulemaking can take six months to two years minimum to get a regulation. In the case of the MAC law, we got regulations relatively quickly. In the case of the ODS, they really just need to amend their regulations. But then we got hit with COVID. I think that slowed some of this stuff down. So it does take time. And the other reason, Anthony, that people just seem to just forget completely is the fact that these are gargantuan Fortune 10 companies that we've been asked to get regulations. Anyone else would have just said, forget it, we're not doing that, but you and I are unique individuals. And so we've taken the legislative process and the regulatory process as far as we can possibly go. And we're continuing to push that envelope every single day. Now, I think that this is going to be our year because number one, we saw Rutledge. If we weren't already getting attention, Rutledge made everyone sit up and listen. 
Mm-hmm. So people are like, whoa, these people are really onto something here. You and I were testifying in the Assembly Financial Institutions and Insurance Committee, and we were very gratified to see how many legislators understood the PBMs. I mean, I think virtually every member had some kind of comment on it. That is so different from in the very beginning when we started working on this. So it's a complicated process. And um, we just try every day to do the very best that we can to move these things along. But it is a daunting process at times. So like you say to the pharmaceutical, oh, we've done quite well with this. And they're like, what are you talking about? You know, everything <laughs> is still so bad. But you have to go from step A to step B to get to step C. And we're finally moving towards step C, which is what they want which is the culmination of a good set of regulations. Now, even having said that, the one thing that they're going to have to realize is a profession will really have to enforce their own law. The agency will do a good part of it. But in order for it to be really effective, we have to look at those regulations, comply with those, and then see how they might have further modification or improvement and really see how things go. So I think that overall, having done this for many years, as you pointed out, I think we're in an excellent, excellent position and that future podcasts are going to be even more exciting. But the main thing for pharmacy owners to realize is they have elected officials on the local level, on the state level, right in their communities or very close to their communities in their district that they can talk to about their problems. I think a lot more did it during COVID, more about COVID things, Mm -hmm. because we would hear it from the legislators, but they also need to be careful. They need to be careful and be professional unless they, you know, know the people very well. That's very important. You know, when you're meeting a legislator, you have to be professional. You have to be polite because it's just like meeting somebody new for the very first time. It's almost like a job interview in a way. You know, you want to make a good impression when you're meeting someone. You know, one thing I want to touch on briefly, Lori, was why is it important for pharmacy owners to support their member associations like Garden State Pharmacy Owners and Independent Pharmacy Alliance? I mean, obviously, organizations provide these government affairs services. So why is it important for pharmacies to be involved and to support their member organizations? Well, we alluded to that earlier because any change to their scope of practice, any change to their laws can result in a loss of income. So they often don't realize that for a very small investment into the organizations, we are providing continuous 24-7 service on this stuff they don't realize it. We're very fortunate that we have a loyal following of members. In order for us to really be where we want to be, we really need all the members. We need all of the independent pharmacies, not just a fraction of them. We're fortunate that we have a little over 800 in New Jersey. So out of 2000 pharmacies, we have quite a few independent pharmacies. And that's due in no small part to our efforts and the fact that even though it may seem tough, We have things other states don't have. And that could be the subject of a whole other podcast. We'll be going through that. (laughs) That'll be a future episode of Real Politics for Pharmacy Owners, right? (laughs) The point is, let's say you don't want to contact your legislator. Just join the membership so we have the resources to get the message out. Let's say you're shy and say, oh, I really don't want to do that. Okay, fine. Just join. That way we have those resources from the membership fees to continue with our message Lori, thank you so much for joining me today. 
I think that the information you provided is extremely valuable. I hope that the pharmacists and pharmacy owners that are listening took what you said to heart because you are one of the best government affairs representatives in New Jersey. And I can't think of anyone else that knows more about government affairs than you. And thank you for joining me today, Lori. I truly appreciate it. Thank you, Anthony, for the opportunity to join you. I feel the same way about you. And let's continue to fight this good fight. And I know that we're going to have positive results. Thank you, Lori. And thank you, everyone, for listening today. To learn more about Garden State Pharmacy Owners, go to gspo.org. To get more information on the legislative process in New Jersey, go to the New Jersey legislative website at njledge.state.nj.us. And you can also get a lot of valuable information from the New Jersey League of Women Voters at lwnj.org. Thanks for listening to the Independent Pharmacy Alliance podcast. This podcast was made possible by the Independent Pharmacy Alliance and the president and CEO, John Giampolo. It was produced and edited by Zach Stone with music by Marcus Way. For previous and future episodes, check out ipagroup.org. Thank you very much. Bye for now.